So today's date is Sunday, July 4th, 2021. We are reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, the pages in the doctor's opinion, Roman numeral 31, that's XXI, through the end of XXXII. Um, and Karen C. will be our reader, followed by a 20-minute share by Barbara G. Whoops. Hi, this is Karen, recovered compulsive overeater in New Jersey. I'm reading the doctor's opinion, starting at page 31. What is the solution? Perhaps I can best answer this by relating one of my experiences. About one year prior to this experience, a man was brought in to be treated for chronic alcoholism. He had but partially recovered from a gastric hemorrhage and seemed to be a case of pathological mental deterioration. He had lost everything worthwhile in his life and was only living, one might say, to drink. He frankly admitted and believed that for him there was no hope. Following the elimination of alcohol, there was found to be no permanent brain injury. Karen, I think you muted yourself by mistake. She's still on the line, Karen, you have to- I'm sorry, I, uh, yeah, I got cut off. Um, so I can continue. Uh, following the elimination of alcohol, there, there was found to be no permanent brain injury. He accepted the plan outlined in this book. One year later, he called to see me and I experienced a very strange sensation. I, been, I knew the man by name and partly recognized his features, but there all resemblance ended. From a trembling, despairing, nervous wreck had emerged a man brimming over with self-reliance and contentment. I talked with him for some time, but was not able to bring myself to feel that I had known him before. To me, he was a stranger, and so he left me. A long time has passed with no return to alcohol. When I need a mental uplift, I often think of another case brought in by a physician prominent in New York. The patient had made his own diagnosis and deciding his situation hopeless, had hidden in a deserted barn determined to die. He was rescued by a searching party and in desperate condition brought to me. Following his physical rehabilitation, he had a talk with me in which he frankly stated he thought the treatment a waste of effort, unless I could assure him, which no one had ever, ever had, that in the future he would have the willpower to resist the impulse to drink. His alcoholic problem was so complex and his depression so great that we felt his only hope would be through what we then called moral psychology. And we doubted if even that would have any effect. However, he did become sold on the ideas contained in this book. He has not had a drink for a great many years. I see him now and then, and he is as fine a specimen of manhood as one could wish to meet. I earnestly advise every alcoholic to read this book through, and though perhaps he may come to scoff, he may remain to pray. 
William D. Silkworth, MD. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Karen. And now we'll have Barbara G uh, share her experience, strength and hope. Hi, my name is Barbara G and I am a compulsive overeater calling you from France and I am very grateful to be here. Um, I wanna start just pausing and uh, inviting higher power into this share. And um, when I read this morning, the page that we're studying today, um, the word experience caught my attention because it is only through giving my experience that I can show what the solution is. So that's why I am going to briefly talk to you about uh, what, is it, what it's meant for me to be, what it means to me to be a compulsive reader. And I'll give you a little bit of my story. Can I just be given a head up at 10 minutes, uh, after 10 minutes that I talk? Is that absolutely, absolutely, it's for 20, so how about I give you 10 and five? That Thank you, that's perfect, thank you. So, mm -hmm. um, I've always loved food when I was a child. I was a, a, a normal body size, kid until six years old and then I started to be plumpy but it wasn't so much my physical condition the problem the problem was that I knew I didn't look at food like other kids because I had the craving already then when uh, at school kids would take out their snacks out of their bags I would crave to have what they had because what I had was not enough and I was already being put on a diet when I was in the in um, third grade, fourth grade. And so I would go to school with my diet snack and uh, it was so frustrating. Just so this was at the beginning. And then um, I, uh, when I, in adolescence, I started to in to put on more and more weight because food was honestly the only place where I could feel okay. It was the only thing that could give me ease and comfort. If I had given you this share a few years ago, I would have told you that it was because I come from, a very, from an alcoholic family and very dysfunctional. But I'm not going to tell you this to, to you today because I know that there is there is no external reason why I, I had that relationship with food. It's because I was born a compulsive overeater and I am deeply innerly convinced of this. So that's how I handled life. I just handled life eating. All my emotions, everything that I had to go through, I had to eat. So I started to put more and more weight and I got bulimic. I started binging and purging. And on the outside, I was the perfect student, the perfect friend, the perfect kid. On the inside, I was just evil, evil with food, evil with myself. It was a nightmare. And I was only 18 years old back then. Um, I had three years of very severe binging and purging and until I was 21. 
And uh, uh, my higher power was so kind with me and so generous that it made me meet uh, what at the time was my boyfriend and he was a, a, a recovering alcoholic. And uh, I could see that there was a solution for me. So after two years, uh, I went to OA and uh, I did stop binging and purging the very same day I arrived in OA. It was the 10th of January, 2000. But I was very far away from accepting that I had a fatal disease because in reality, my life was unmanageable, but I still thought that if I could have an if I could just stop eating and uh, not putting on weight, my life would then be normal. Um, I therefore uh, started to be an active member of OA, never accepting though that I had compulsive foods. So at the beginning I was uh, in control and I put down sugar and flour only because I didn't want to put on weight. But then after two years, uh, I decided I would start eating flowers and sugar again because, of course, I had found a sponsor who didn't recognize uh, uh, either that she had compulsive foods. So I was uh, eating everything I want. I was having three meals a day, eating anything I wanted in those three meals. And this lasted, in a way, for 18 years until 2018. And uh, um, as we say, I have done so many experiments in these 18 years because uh, um, it's, uh, I have been able to see that the problem was not the food, but as it says in what in the pages that we've read, it's in the pathological mental deterioration that this illness can bring about. Because uh, um, not doing, not working any steps, because I was in a way, but I was just going to meetings. I was just going to meetings. I was not working the steps. I was not acknowledging and recognizing that I had compulsive foods. I didn't want to put the food down. And so I just, I, I can't even say that I had a white knuckling abstinence at the beginning because I was eating everything I wanted. And it wasn't that difficult to stay, to just eat three meals a day because I also wanted as much as I wanted. And, and as a matter of fact, I put on in pounds, it was uh, uh, more 25 pounds. Yeah, 25, I believe. It's 10 kilograms. And uh, um, so, um, what was happening in my life. If before I was the perfect student, the perfect friend and the perfect daughter, when I started being in a way and uh, uh, eating, trying to control my food, my, start, my life started to be um, incredibly painful because I, without food, because in, I, I was eating, but at the same time, I was controlling my eating so much. And uh, I ended up uh, um, moving away from home, uh, getting away from all my friends and starting to use the 12 steps rooms uh, as a refuge, uh, like a place where I could go and hide. And 
um, and I started to feel more and more a victim of circumstances and of life. And, uh, but of course, again, uh, I was in a way. So I even had sponsees and I even did service. And on the outside, everything looked okay because I had only three meals a day. I went to meetings every day. I had sponsees. It doesn't matter if my life was unmanageable because I could go to meetings and say, for me, you know, it's, uh, I have such a dysfunctional family, it's their fault. I had so many good reasons to, to, to self-pity myself in all those years. And I found in a way people who were um, just like me, exactly like me. I can't blame it on them. They, we, we, we were suffering and we are suffering of the same illness. Until, um, I, I beg your pardon, there is, my, there is the dog who is uh, feeling a little bit, I don't know, if you hear some noise, it's the dog. There's coming, there is a storm coming and he, he, he's upset. Uh, so, um, so, um, I, um, it, it was, it, be, it started to become worse and worse. And uh, the isolation that I got myself into started to be very severe. When uh, in the story that we have read, uh, the man talks about hiding himself uh, uh, in an isolated barn. That's the condition I lived during the weekend because uh, in during the week I would go to work and I had a very unhealthy workplace that I had created because everybody hated me and I hated everybody. And I thought it was a very, I mean, it was their fault because they were racist and they were this and they were that. And I was, you know, poor me. So during the weekend, when I wouldn't go to work, all I, I would start my evening with my Friday evening with a, a very abundant Chinese or pizza dinner. And then I would just isolate myself in the house for a couple of days and um, um, I was very desperate. I felt I was getting crazy. I felt I was getting crazy. But in but I wouldn't tell these things to my OA friends because to my OA friends, I would say, you know, I am working the program. I am coming to meetings, but my life is so painful. I suffered so much when I was a child. And the idea of uh, uh, having compulsive foods or the, of working the steps was so far away from me. It seems like a joke, but it's a reality. That's how this disease is serious because it's. Uh, um, I, I just did not want to accept. I it was it was impossible for me to believe that I could stay without those foods that were were were, were vital for me. And um, so this is uh, um, how I lived until two thousand and eighteen, when um, I a relationship ended. Uh, uh, it, it was, I had given up of all my dreams uh, and the years had passed. I mean, I was 22 when I started OA and thank you. Perfect. And I was two, and I was, uh, and, and now I was uh, 37 and uh, I, I had, I, I had done nothing with my life. I had done nothing in my life and the food had started to become very insidious and very subtle because uh, I would 
uh, exercise obsessively in order to maintain the weight that I wanted because I overate at meals. And also, I was uh, it was impossible to me to finish the meal without uh, um, without having a second portion. I was just, uh, it was impossible. I, it, I was dying for cravings. And I went to my OA meetings and say, I think I had a little bit too much this evening for dinner. I'm going to tell my sponsor. I, I would never do. Because uh, again, I didn't use the sponsor for what I really needed it. So uh, after my relationship ended, I decided that I had to do something. And I started to go to a very healthy big book meeting. And I started to get familiar to the idea that maybe I needed to put the food down, that maybe I had some compulsive foods. So I did, and maybe I needed to wait food. So I started six months of getting familiar with these things, but I, I wasn't, I had not come to this complete surrender that came afterwards because I was still negotiating, you know, I did put down the food, the flour and the sugar, but I would, uh, I, I had no, I had, I have other ingredients, like for me, salt and fat are two very insidious and allergic ingredients. And I was very far away to, from omitting it. So I just, uh, I was still negotiating until because thanks to, and I say thanks to, because that was the blessing for me, uh, to a, a glass of wine one evening, then the day after I had a binge. After 18 years in OA, I had a real binge. And it was again, very official. I mean, very um, political accepted because I was at a party so I would I, I had managed to hide myself very well um, it was what I needed it was so painful that evening it was so painful because I couldn't stop eating in front of my friends in front of my people and when I went back home after 18 years it was so frustrating to get sick and to purge and I was physically very, very in pain, very much in pain. So the day after, and of course, I also had uh, uh, um, my life uh, that was uh, really unmanageable. And, uh, and so that's when I, I just, I bought what is sold here completely, completely. And uh, I don't know what happened uh, from one day to the other, but something happened because I would have never put down the foods and the ingredients that I told you and some others thing and some other things. And I would have never thought I would become one of those people in a way uh, who, who would weight their food, who would go everywhere they go with a scale. I was so disgusted by such behaviors because for me, it was nuts until I really, uh, I, I was left with no other choice. And, uh, and that's when my recovery started. It was, I started my entire abstinence on 7th of August, 2018. And I started working the steps as they are outlined in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous for the first time. And the first time I finished them, it was uh, in October, November, uh, 2018. And, um, and now two years, uh, three years have passed and I've worked the steps twice until step 12. And uh, what I can say is that uh, it's, uh, um, it's such a process and it's such a 
magic program of action. I don't know why it works, but it works because first of all, I have uh, thanks to the amends and thanks to step four and thanks to the house cleaning that we do, I was able to really uh, go back together to the life I had before, to my family, to my friends. I could start to, I could, um, I started to pursue my dream again. And um, it's- uh, Five minutes, Barbara. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. But what do I do in order to have what I have today? Because I really consider myself the luckiest person in the world because my, I, I, I no longer feel that my family is, uh, is uh, I mean, it's not their fault anymore. I've been transformed in, in my mind. It's like, is it, is it me who's saying this? Yes, it's me, but it, it, I, they are still the same. They're exactly the same, but something has changed deeply in me. And uh, I was the queen of self-pity, the queen of self-pity. And today, um, what I do in order to maintain what I have is I work a very strong program daily. I uh, use the tools a lot, but I also use the steps a lot. Uh, I, I, I always call uh, at least three people every day. I go to five, six meetings every week. I, well, I give my food every day to my sponsor. I wait and measure everything I eat and I sponsor every day. I, I read and I write also every day. And um, what mm, I try to be of service. And most of all, it's, um, it's, of course, the relationship with a power greater than myself that is making all this possible. And how did he enter into my life? He definitely entered into my life when uh, I started OA uh, 21 years ago. But um, it, as we know, it's not been until I put the food down that he could have access into my life. And uh, really, really, um, I, I really do things today that were impossible for me to do. Um, I wasn't able to um, have, uh, like today I wasn't feeling well. Yesterday I did the vaccine and today I wasn't feeling well. And uh, uh, I could go through the day as it was today and simply take, as we say, life on life's terms, because I have this power greater than myself into my life that makes this possible because I'm no longer relying on to me. It's a feeling of, it's a beautiful feeling of uh, fullness, of uh, there is no more emptiness in my heart, no more emptiness in my soul. It's a feeling of, uh, he's got my back always, always. But I have to get to stay connected. So, oh, another thing that I do do daily is I do my step, my eleven step practices. So every morning I spend time with God, with my higher power, and every evening I spend time with higher power. That's like the priority. I never do anything before getting tuned in with 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 my higher power, uh, both in the in the morning and in the evening. And then I, of course, the connection 
improves as as long as I keep in good spiritual condition, the connection remains, but I have to do the work. And, uh, and I am very conscious that everything I have today, it's because I do this. And if I don't do it, I don't have it. I know the recovered state, it's not like we say, uh, I like to say that it's not a badge that we put on ourselves. It's not a, uh, I don't know the word in English, but it's not something that you get and then you have it forever. It's a daily reprieve. And it's wonderful to have this dinner with this deep and inner acceptance that it's a, a daily reprieve and that every day I need to do things in order to have what I have. And um, it's um, sponsorship is very important. I need to treat sponsorship as a sacred place as far as I'm concerned. Mm, not so much for the person that is on the outside, but for the secret that I need to share and for the secrets that I need to get out of my heart. I can't, the food is no longer a private issue for me. And since I've started to work the program according to the big book, I knew that everything, every thought that runs into Barbara's mind as far as food is concerned, can't stay in Barbara's mind. Any thought, any thought. The other day, I was baking a cake for my family, and I had, in a second, I was touching sugar, and it was like, I don't know how many months that I wasn't that I hadn't had sugar so close in my hand, and uh, I had this memory of a snack when I was a kid that that I would binge on. Well, I just called a friend one of during one of my daily calls that day. I said, "Oh, you know what happened to me today." such and such. Never thought about it. And again, I can't have secrets as far as food is concerned. None, none. The, my, the very tiny things. And uh, I am very grateful for the loving sponsor that I have today, because she teaches me to have uh, flexibility between boundaries. I have very, very clear boundaries with my abstinence, with my program, but with a lot of love, with a lot of love. And um, I am very grateful to be here. I hope that uh, something I said could help some of you. And um, I think I'll end it like that. And if there is uh, anyone who would ask, uh, like to ask me questions, I'm here. Thank you so much.